This is the Jets-Centric Podcast, your home for Winnipeg Jets, talk, thoughts, and takes. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Jet-Centric Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm one of your hosts. In this episode, we did something pretty cool. We got together with Jacob and TJ of the PTP Hockey Podcast. Uh, they're doing similar things to us, except they're doing it for the Florida Panthers. So they uh, they do a podcast about them. And we got together to do a little preview of the Global Series taking place in Finland between the Winnipeg Jets and the Florida Panthers coming up. Uh, they got two games Thursday and Friday happening over there. And uh, we had a lot of fun talking about it. Uh, so definitely give those guys a follow. We had a lot of fun with them. It'll become very apparent to you. Um, they're great guys. Uh, they're going to release the podcast that, with all the exact same audio uh, to their fans, and we're going to do the same. So we did a joint podcast, but we're also releasing separately, but uh, still kind of joint. So really fun thing to do. Maybe a good idea for us to do in the future with maybe some other uh, team podcasts. So, uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. A big shout-out to... Uh, Chris from Hangar Hockey that set the whole thing up. And also to, of course, our sponsor, the Blackbird Brasserie on Tache. Make sure you go check them out and support them. And to those of you who bought t-shirts, thanks for supporting us. Uh, hopefully they all arrive soon. <laughs> they say they've been mailed. Anyhow, enjoy the podcast. It was a lot of fun to do, and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Point to Point Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, is my co-host, TJ Peterson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Jet-Centric Podcast. I'm here with my good friend, Chris. I am AJ, hosting this podcast. This is the Jet-Centric Podcast. Ignore what you heard previously. It is the uh, Point to Point Hockey Podcast, and uh, today we are very grateful Hello, to Jet be fans. joined by Chris and AJ of the <laughs> Jet-Centric Podcast. Jake, I'm scared. I'm hearing voices. <laughs> Jacob and Tej from Point to Point Podcast are joining Chris and I on our podcast. Thanks for joining us, We're very grateful that you guys took some time to join us on our podcast uh, this afternoon. It's our pleasure pleasure to host you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining and or hosting. Uh, (laughs) So, yes, as everyone's well aware, uh, this week uh, the Panthers and the Jets will play play back-to-back games in Helsinki, Finland as part of the NHL Global Series, Uh, so we figured it would be a good time for uh, for the four of us to get together and just chat about it. Uh, We've had a pretty good relationship on Twitter for a while, so I figure why not get the friends... Uh, together to talk some Panthers and Jets. Yeah, and to be fair, this this was your guys' idea. You guys approached uh, Hanger Hockey and uh, and asked him about the idea, and uh, he uh, shoveled it off to us because he knew that we were podcasting. He's a friend of the show, Chris Flores, and uh, the people over there. So uh, great idea, guys, and thanks for uh, for doing this and including us in it because this uh, this should be fun. Uh, talking hockey is always a good. Time, yeah. So absolutely, definitely glad to talk to you. Now, uh, one thing that uh, that Panthers fans have been pining for for a very long time. The Jets got it. The Panthers did not. Uh, a third jersey. <laughs> That's obviously the most important thing to talk about 
uh, with this upcoming game. You guys got a third jersey, and we did not. Uh, so clearly that makes you a better team, correct? Well, it depends if you like the jersey or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to ask you about your, your takes on the jerseys because it's been pretty divisive. I'm not a huge fan. I, I like the throwbacks a lot more than the uh, oh, aviator text. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you, you can handle this one. Yeah, that I mean, there's no question the Heritage Classics are, I mean, I think they're the best of all four by far. Uh, that's personally how I feel about that. The Aviator looks uh, a lot better, first of all, in person, as most jerseys do. Um, when you see it in the store with the numbering and you're able to touch it and stuff, it looks a lot better. And then take that a step further. I think, I don't know how much agreement I got, but I think we sort of decided that it's a better uniform than it is a jersey. It looks pretty good. He- head to toe yeah yeah like on the ice they look pretty good as a you know from top to bottom but the script is is pretty plain i think we can all agree on that uh but i think overall and it's and it's grown on some people i know that um uh, you guys will get your third next year i'm sure with uh them wanting to get all these new new uniforms in everybody's hands yeah i was surprised you guys actually didn't have like a specialty jersey just for for this event it seemed like a maybe a, a, a no-brainer to do something like that for, for something like this. They always do for the outdoor games, right? They, they throw those, so it's, it's not unusual to come up with a jersey that's going to be used very sparingly during a season. So was there talk about why you guys didn't get a third jersey or, or a jersey for this event at least? Yeah, there was some. We were, uh, we were more or less told that it was discussed but ultimately decided not to, which was also surprising because it's the Panthers' 25th anniversary season. Wow. So, so everyone thought we were going to get a throwback for that. Uh, but it just didn't happen. I the I believe the conclusion was that it was too soon since the Panthers rebranded from the Leaping Cat to the Shield, uh, and it it was just too soon to to put out another new jersey. Mm-hmm. The Shield looks amazing, by the way. I love the yeah, Shield. Yeah, since we're talking about jerseys, I was uh, yeah, going to get your your opinion <laughs> on that because uh, it's sort of a sensitive subject with a lot of Panthers fans. A lot of People have attachment to the leaping cat, but uh, I might I might alienate some people by saying this, but I'm a shield guy. I prefer it to the leaping cat. I gotta say, for, for years I've um, I've always thought Florida has had good good uniforms. They always have the extra piping. Uh, the colors are really crisp. I always think like they're super underrated. Um, I've always liked them every time, and they seem to update quite frequently with just little little hints. Um, yeah, I was gonna. Uh, kind of elaborate on what AJ was asking. I think what's frustrating as Jets fans is uh, when we had the jersey reveal for the third jersey, um, they mentioned that it was really Finland inspired um, because it looks a lot like a Finland mm-hmm. national jersey sense, yeah. um, with the line A and, uh, and Solani and then even back to the WHA days, uh, some of the Finnish players we've had here. And we're not wearing it in Finland. And that's been something that we found really strange that you would come out and say, uh, this is Finland inspired, and then not wear them in Finland. Yeah, so. by by the owner. The owner actually said it at the fan forum we were at, and uh, yeah, and they're and it's not like they're just using it a couple times a season either. They're wearing it 14 times, and those are all at home. So that's like almost every third game. So you'd think they'd bring it for at least one game. Like uh, I'm sure we'll get into the roster stuff, but I mean, bringing a different jersey costs you nothing. They're, they're, you have to bring jerseys anyhow, and they wear the same pants and helmets uh, with uh, with them as they do with the other one. And so there, there's no difference. But a Finland-inspired jersey not going to Finland makes uh, zero, uh, little to no sense, really. Um, almost as much sense as not bringing your two Finnish players 
but that's oh. different. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if it makes you feel any better, we're not bringing our Finnish-inspired uh, players uh, other than Barkov. <laughs> and Yuho Lamico, don't Lamico, forget. But <laughs> yeah, that's Henrik right. Borgstrom has not been recalled to uh, for, for the Global Series, which is very So, yeah, actually, this personally. is a good point to launch into it. This, uh, this Finnish uh, series is really all about two players – it's about Sasha Barkov on the Florida Panthers, and it's about Patrick Laine on the Winnipeg Jets. But this is a very interesting time for Patrick Laine and the Winnipeg Jets. He's had a pretty rough start to the season. He's got only three goals in 12 games, and this is a guy we expect to be competing for the Rocket Richard, closer to having half a goal per game, maybe even more than that. And right now he's skating on the fourth line. Uh, Paul Maurice currently has him uh, in practice with, uh, Jack Roslevic and Brendan Lemieux. And I mean, that's good to have that level of depth in the lineup that you can put Patrick Laine in a fourth line. But uh, I don't know if it's the best idea. So how did it get to this point with Patrick well, Laine and the Jets lineup that he's on the well, fourth line? First of all, we'd be remiss if we didn't inform you guys that there is a joke going around saying Patrick fourth Laine. So uh, it's been done. It's been done a lot. It's been overused. It's not. It's it's slightly funny, but not that funny. But at least you guys should be aware of that when you're talking about Patrick Line on the fourth line. That there is a predecessing joke joke about that. Chris, I think you you have some some great comments about this stuff. I think you should tackle the Patrick Line one because uh, I might uh, just might uh, go balder pulling my hair out trying to figure this one out. Uh, well, I think it's funny that I think anybody with any with half a half a brain, and this goes from fans all the way up to to media, everywhere. At the beginning of the season, we were um, dumbfounded why Maurice decided to keep Ehlers, Little, and Line together. They had no success last year. They struggled five on five, and he insisted at the beginning of the year to to keep them together, keep them together. Uh, they didn't really produce for the first seven games of the year. And then all of a sudden, Patrick Laine is the problem. And it just seems hilarious to me that everybody knew that this was going to be that this line was going to be a problem. And then when it comes to fruition, the coach kind of passes the buck and says, hey, young guy, you're not pulling your weight. And not a lot of people have stood back and pointed the finger back at the coach and said, hey, you're the one that kept them together and insisted that they play together. And uh, that's so that's really frustrating to see him take the brunt of it he hasn't been strong but that line doesn't work together and uh so that's it's, it's causing it's causing uh an effect and of course it's causing an effect that he won't as uh paul maurice he won't juggle the rest of the lines he just keeps plugging connor out ehlers in line in connor out and won't make any other adjustments line is also shooting at a 6.8 percent clip which is obviously a far cry from his uh, two-season uh, average of about 175 to 18%, somewhere in that range, which is unbelievably high. But over a full two seasons, you've got to believe at some point, well, this is who he is. So I, do, do you think he's he really is that 17 18% shooter, and this is just a really, really bad uh, shooting percentage start? Uh, when his shooting percentage regresses, is it going to hover more around the – forward average 12 percent or do you expect to shoot back up to that 15 16 17 18 range chris you about this one yeah yeah yeah, i mean (laughs) i mean i don't i think if he's playing with the right players you're going to see an improvement he's not play. he's playing with 
essentially no playmakers. And uh, so as long as he continues to play with that little and, and Ehlers line, which I think it's going to go back to that, you're going to see a struggle. Um, I don't know if it's the shooting per- I mean, obviously the shooting percentage is what it is, but I don't know if that's the quote unquote problem. He doesn't seem to be having the chances and uh, he does look pretty one dimensional right now. Uh, the power play shot is still there. Um, but there's no playmaking. The skating looks a little slow and a, and a lot of turnovers. So, I mean, he's going to shoot what he's going to shoot. He's going to score goals when he has the chance. I just don't think he's had, and the statistics would tell a better story than, than what I am, but I don't think he's had those chances to, to, to bury the puck. Yeah, and and to uh, the point about him being on that fourth line, um, he is out there a lot on the power play too. So usually you'll find if you're looking at his minutes at the end of the game, he's getting more than fourth line minutes. I mean, for the first eight games of the season, our fourth line consisted of the uh, uh, Roslevic and Lemieux that you mentioned, also Perot, and they were sometimes the younger guys were getting like four or five minutes a game, and Perot was under ten. But I mean, Line is usually hitting it in the, the double digits. I don't think he's been below 10, 10 minutes, even when he's been on that fourth line. So uh, he, he gets moved around a little bit throughout the game, uh, plus, again, that power play time. So the fourth line thing is a little bit uh, deceiving. I think Maurice was just trying to find some way to get it going, but uh, a lot of people online kind of uh, talking about this, saying those are the wrong ideas. I mean, it's good that the coach is trying some stuff, but uh, typically what you'll find with uh, Coach Maurice is uh, he usually gets the right answer out of necessity uh, when there's, like, say, an injury or somebody does something right, and so then he that person gets promoted. It's always, uh, uh, like, a response to something else, never uh, real for- forward thinking. Yeah, it's, it's reactive, not proactive. And so we're still waiting for a real proactive move uh, for, for Line A, but uh, also... Um, just trying to get him with the right people because right now it's it's uh, not not obviously working for him and that's uh, uh, you know not not great for the Jets. But I, I actually wanted to touch on you, you mentioned the Borgstrom the, er, earlier and you guys know as we were talking offline before I'm a huge Borgstrom uh, supporter. I wish the Jets would have mm-hmm. drafted him instead <laughs> of uh, Logan Stanley because he was drafted about three spots or no f- five spots I think after him. Now he got sent down to uh, the AHL. He's playing with Springfield and he's got eleven points in seven games yeah. he killed it in college i mean he's gonna be a very good player without uh he, he's he's waiver exempt he can kind of move up and down uh, has there been any rationale because we haven't heard any from our fins that didn't go is there any rationale why uh, they wouldn't take a player like that to just you know bring him up for a couple games move with someone else especially because there's some uh you could bring extra player exemptions that aren't even going to play but can just go on the trip as uh, ambassadors and whatnot have you guys heard anything for for your guy of what's i mean going it's on very strange because basically we've heard so many messages since like probably the draft, maybe even earlier than that, that, like, you know, this season is going to be the year the Panthers go for it. If you look at their salary books, they're spending this year in a way they previously wouldn't have. You know, this this is a team that has been known in the past to shed salary, and they neglected to do it. Uh, Now, some guys are probably, you know, they're getting some cost savings from them being on IR, like Jamie McGinn, Derek McKenzie, Michael Haley, guys that we kind of expected to be bought out or maybe traded for salary relief. So they have all this money on their books. They added to it by getting Mike Hoffman. So, you know, we're hearing it's the time is now. We're going to win now. They shed a lot of picks to do that. And then, you know, Borgstrom has a good preseason, not a great preseason. Scores, I think, at least once. Maybe, again, I don't really remember. And overall, I, th- I thought he looked fine. 
And we didn't really get any indication, even like the most plugged in sources uh, were telling us, yeah, it's more than likely than not that he's going to make the team. And then a few days before the season starts and he's, you know, being sent down to the AHL. And really what we've heard, I guess, is is a I don't have any direct quotes, but basically it's we're being told that it's best for his development, you know. Uh, I've heard a lot of people observe that he's not physically ready for the highest level of pro hockey yet. I mean, he's a bigger guy, but he doesn't have a full frame. You know, he's not the most muscular. He's a taller guy more than he's a bigger yeah. guy. That's kind of the problem. He's got the height. <laughs> well, at least that's the perceived problem. And right. it's, it's also just that he really doesn't know how to cope with the more physical elements of the game. He doesn't really look particularly awesome in, in board battles when he can't, like, you know, make a nice play with mm-hmm. the stick to get out of it. And he's playing well in the AHL, but right now Springfield just has an abnormally high shooting percentage. So I think that's part of the reason why his point totals look so good. Uh, he's playing well. I'm not trying to say he's playing poorly. I mean, he looks great. And uh, good because I think AJ might have to come down to uh, come down to Brooklyn and find you. Yeah. <laughs> you were trying to say he wasn't. Yeah. Well, I, I I've been a Borgstrom fan since uh, I sometimes uh, travel down for UND games, and I remember watching the back-to-back uh, series. Uh, one series at least uh, when the uh, the UND played against Denver and watching him play I mean he was uh, he was the only drafted freshman uh, on a team that won the national championship that year and I mean everywhere he went it was like even when he wasn't playing well like I said I saw him in two games back to back there uh, even when things weren't really going well he always got his points he was always part of play just the puck followed him and it, it reminds me actually a little bit I'm going to be watching their careers sort of side by side seeing how they develop um when I watched Jack Rosovic, the little bit that I did when he was in college too, uh, it was really interesting. Then when I just followed Borgstrom and saw his stats, I was like, holy geez. Like, I mean, I know, I know pe- a lot of people don't put much weight in uh, NCAA stats and how well people do there because right. if you're elite, you know, a lot of the other guys aren't as elite, but they are also closer to men. I mean, the average age yeah. is uh, yeah. two years higher than, than the CHL or the USHL just because they're, 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 and by that time they're 18 to 23 years old and uh, he did really really well there on a very good team and like I said he's killing it in Springfield so um, it's kind of seemed uh, the the excuses for not to bring players seem uh, nonsensical when you think it's a week like it's literally they're going for two games they do not have to play in these games but you're promoting the game abroad why not bring some of the biggest stars I mean especially Finland being the dominant somewhat dominant i mean i think they i don't know if they went last year but world junior team they're always a very competent team in the small country they know who these players are why not bring them and uh, showcase them or at least bring them along so for the interviews right how many more finished interviews can you do so it seems like a big fail on the jets part and and the panthers part to to not bring these guys so uh, and there's, there's frankly i'd like to know how borgstrom feels about mm-hmm. uh not being called to go yeah yeah well, I actually, same go Sorry, AJ. Same goes with Niku and and Veselainen. Like, yeah. you know, go to them. You know, it'd be nice to go to them and say. Um, and I, and I, there's a, a little bit of outrage on on Jets Twitter right now about, well, they what have they done to deserve it, and how does it help, and blah blah blah. And it's like, if the game was in Sweden, well, if the game was in Sweden, nobody would be saying Niku should be going. It's because it's an right. actual. You know, it's an actual thing. Like it's, it's meaningful, and it's it like you're trying to build the game, and like you're saying, you can take if anybody needs the pressure off right now, it's Lion A, yeah. and you're just right. throwing him into the fire, uh, taking him home right now at the worst part, the worst stretch of his career. Um, yeah. So none of it really makes any sense. 
it's it's a big event for a small amount of time. Seems like it should be an easy fix. And I do actually have a question into some Finland media right now, uh, which I'm going to tweet about. Uh, they they give me permission once they respond to uh, actually get a sense of how they feel about some of these players not coming. And I included Borgstrom uh, in that as well in the conversation to say, what are people in Finland saying? Are they like, why the why the hell were they aviated jerseys? Why aren't these uh, these young studs that we know? Why aren't they here? Because I I, I would feel that if tables being turned if they're american for you guys or uh canadian players for us something going on here that they would be represented i mean people love that people loved when you know we had some winnipeg uh players get to play for our local football team or or the jets or something that's interesting to the locals and uh not being locals of finland we may not appreciate how they feel about it so i've, I've put in a question and uh, i'm going to comment and you guys can pass on that info to your people as well but yeah we'll yeah. do that and just to kind of push your point aj like I fawn over basically every Florida-born NHL player that exists. As you Gustis, should. Shane Gustisbear, like <laughs> Jacob Chikrin, Shane the Gust- Hughes brothers. Gustisbear, Chikrin, all of the Hughes brothers. <laughs> like, all of them. Yeah, like, and so if... Every Florida-born NHL player is a player that I love. Right, and so if they held... If a team held a camp there... And, and they were fringe players right. and they weren't there. Like, it just doesn't make any sense, especially granted the extra roster spots. Uh, right. I... And I, it's one of those things. I don't understand. I understand like being indifferent about it, but how you could come and say, no, they shouldn't go, which is what we're sort of hearing from some of the in the Twitter verses. Right. Is frankly, it's asinine. Like who who would say no? They didn't deserve it, or there's you know Tucker Pullman deserves it more. Like come on. Yeah. Well, we should actually get to talking about the game. I think they're going to play some games too. And we spent a lot of time talking about players that will not be playing in these games. Um, from your guys' perspective, uh, I know we chatted a little bit uh, before we started recording, but uh, for Jets fans coming to wa- are going to be watching you guys, we haven't faced you at all this year. These will be our two times that we get to see the Florida Panthers. Uh, who are the Florida Panthers and uh, what should we be watching for? Who are some of your young studs? Who's going to uh, uh, try and fight uh, all of our guys' faces off? Uh, what should we be watching for from Florida? Because again, we're not the same. Not at the same conference. We're not going to see you guys again. Besides this, so uh, I'm sure a lot of people right. who don't follow it, uh, the NHL as a whole, maybe know what what you guys have over there. Just to uh, get started, I'm I'm very bummed. as excited as I am for these two games. Uh, I'm very upset that I won't get to see the Jets play in Sunrise this year. Uh, I, I was very upset when I came oh, when yeah. I came to that realization that oh, these are our two games with Winnipeg. Yeah they won't be coming through this year. Like our home game against the Jets is one of the Finland games. I don't get to see get to see my my baby boy Mark Shifley <laughs> play in person this Jake year. Jake is a Mark from, Shifley but, enthusiast uh, for sure. Yeah, the the short the short answer to your question AJ he, he's is from uh, Florida. Shifley's Alexander from Florida. Barkov is the answer to all of yeah. them. Yeah. Right. You, <laughs> he's the guy you got to watch out for. He's the young stud. Mm-hmm. He's the one that'll bite your face off if you give him the opportunity. That that's who you've got to watch out for. But uh, I mean, Dadanov is between both teams. Evgeny Dadanov has the highest points per games played, uh, ten points in nine games. Wow. To right now, I believe Shifley's leading the Jets with twelve and twelve. Yeah. Uh, Mike Hoffman's riding a nice point streak coming into this game. Uh, each of his seven points have been obtained. In yeah, the, the Panthers have a nice homegrown streak. top six, uh, with the exception of Mike yeah. Hoffman, if he is in it. We don't know what these uh, lines are going to look like. Yeah, he could be bottom six also, yeah. because Bob Bugner has really enjoyed making Hoffman somewhat of a uh, of a. Rookie. But um, uh, the other uh, five members of the top six will have been drafted mm-hmm. by the Florida Panthers. Uh, Dadnov drafted by the Panthers, though he did spend uh, time in the KHL. Bukestad drafted by the Panthers. Nick Bukestad. 
bigger guy that will be skating with Barkov and Dadnov likely. You know all about Alexander Barkov. He is the face of this team. Jake just said some things about him. Uh, Vincent Trocek is on the second line. He's not much worse. Uh, he's a weapon on the power play. Definitely got some two-way ability as well. And that that second line, I think it's uh, gearing to break out because uh, the shot share for them has yeah. been excellent. The expected goal share for them has been excellent. Hasn't really been realized in the goals share yet, but I think that they they could be ready to break out uh, on that line with him will definitely be Jonathan Huberdeau, who is another guy that Florida drafted, former line mate of Barkov. Uh, they have been separated for, you know, just uh, spreading out the talent's Florida sake, line. and uh, such a weird way to describe a player. What? <laughs> former line mate is such a weird way to describe a okay. player. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and then the, the third line is the kid line for the Panthers. They'll have likely Frank Vetrano and Jared McCann. Both those guys are under the age of 25, and uh, both are you know still cheap and RFAs for them. Uh, they haven't been amazing this season, but they also haven't been terrible. They've been you know basically your average third line. Uh, Dennis Malgin might be with them. Colton Sevier might be with them. Mike Hotman might be with them. You don't know. And then uh, the fourth line. Yuho Lamico is really the the person we should talk about because he's Finnish. He'll likely be the 4C in both these games for the Panthers. Uh, I never expected him to get this many consecutive games in the NHL, so it's a nice story for him. He'll get to play in his home country of Finland, and uh, the likely the wingers alongside him are going to be Troy Brower and either Colton Sevier or Maxime Mamen. Who knows? Bob Bugner likes to shake the lines up a lot. Uh, on defense, this is really more so than we're comfortable. On with defense, the, this is where the Panthers <laughs> are definitely the weakest. Uh, top pairing right now is Mike Matheson mm-hmm. with Aaron Ekblad. It is uh, the two, probably the two best defensemen on the Panthers, but still not a good top pairing. I mean, guy like Jacob Truba would really be welcome on the Panthers blue line. Well, he has a <laughs> condo uh, in Florida. If, if, because, he, uh, uh, if, if that one-year contract he's on is the last that you see of him in Winnipeg, people, uh, we, we've got a nice home for him here. Uh, he's got a condo in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. so we'll, we'll welcome him with open people arms. People who don't pay super close attention to the Panthers might not really be up-to-date with what's going on with Aaron Ekblad, and maybe they're... Nearest memories, yes, nearest memories of him are like, oh, the, all the hype, him going number one overall, you know, winning the Calder, having a great sophomore year. But ever since then, he's been a shadow of of that form. He, you know, defensively, his metrics are, are very bad. Uh, Possession-wise, he's finally starting to break above 50%. And him and Matheson leak scoring chances and Ekblad, he's fine. I mean, I would I would say he's probably in the top fifty of defensemen in the league, but he's paid, and like the billing was that he would eventually be like a, a Norris candidate. Yeah, top 10. yeah, like <laughs> he would eventually be one of the best in the game. And and frankly, there's nothing in his game that's really outstanding. Even his goal scoring has dropped off this year. He hasn't yet scored in the Panthers' first nine games. He only has two total points. Only two total yeah, points, uh, and both are assists. Yeah. So Ekblad is not the guy that he was promised uh, that was promised to the hockey world. He's still a fine defenseman. He's not quite Griffin Reinhardt, but he's not going to be, you know, an outstanding NHL <laughs> contributor. Mike Matheson, on- former what fourth overall pick, Griffin. That's Reinhardt? right, fourth overall, and uh, he's not I- right now. Former notably traded for the pick that someone wanted Matt to. Barzal someone wanted to butt in. Yeah, I just wanted to say there is something, in my opinion, that uh, Ekblad is top 10 in. Is He's top 10 best-looking players in the NHL, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. That guy is one oh, handsome SOB. Holy we, shit. Oh, Every yeah. time I see him, 
I'm like, that's a good looking man. We, we always have, <laughs> you know, he he warms up without his helmet. Too. Yeah, of course he does. He's, he's, he he's one of those players who warms up. Oh without yeah, cage, so. for sure. Yeah, I, I love I love getting to those games early because <laughs> his his hair is just flowing. I actually uh, the Panthers do an event uh, as most teams do uh, before the season called Panther Fest, where you, it's just like a meet and greet with some of the players, and uh, you you basically get a chance to give a one liner to a player, and uh, my one liner to Mike Hoffman, who also has very nice hair. Um, was you know you're competing with Ekblad for best hair on the team this year, <laughs> yeah. And Mike Hoffman gave me a sly smile, laughed, and said, "Easy competition." <laughs> <laughs> <Good for him. laughs> um, uh, we we do not go uh, three episodes without talking uh, about how good looking some players are. So just so you know, that's par. For I don't go one episode without oh, doing that. So. I don't know. It's... I don't know. That's probably not true. But um, while we're on the subject. Just... It's a struggle as a Jets fan because we don't have very many good-looking players. So. No, we don't. Oh, yeah. We're not a good-looking I mean, Mark Scheifele's got I mean, some real got, nice uh... blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, uh... Our our best-looking player, in my opinion, uh, is our backup goalie. And uh, before that, it was Marco Dano. Who's Which next. one, Mason or uh, uh, Mason? Mason is gone. Mason is retired. Mason, Mason... and right. Yeah, and Matthias. Right. They actually uh, have a podcast together now. Uh, oh. Yeah, into the podcast. They just started for Steve Mason. Yeah, they did. So I have a question for did you guys. Really just retire, after... by the way, real yeah. quick. Yeah, I didn't Chris hear Mason. about this. Chris, Chris Mason. Mason. Chris Mason. Oh, oh yeah, sorry. Steve Mason retired. Chris Mason's. Uh, he's a broadcaster Wait, with. The that's Preds. the question. Did Steve Mason really retire? Oh, right. It's Laurent Brossois. Steve... I just I yeah. picked him up in my fantasy team at the end of last Steve week. Steve Mason yeah. is retired and doing a podcast with uh, Matthias. What's Matthias's first name? Sean. Sean, Sean. Matthias. Sean? Yeah, it's called Sean. Wow. Former yeah, Panther and former Jet. That's the bridge. Well, no, it's not Dmitry Kulikov is the bridge. Jesus. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> Quentin Howden. Quentin Howden. Under the bridge. And Quentin Howden. That's right. I forgot that he was with your system. He, he was. It would have been Michael Scarbosa if uh, he all had kept him, but well, he's and, off uh, to Washington system. And actually, one of my questions is the other bridge, uh, most recently, Michael Hutchinson. Uh, I noticed... Uh, Oh, he, uh, I was listening no. to you guys the other day. He's uh, he's not having much of a season for you guys. Is he no. letting you guys down? No, I actually just wrote an article that uh, should come out at some point today or tomorrow. Um, that kind of highlights how terrible he's been this season. On a career average of nine oh seven uh, of a save percentage, right now he's rocking a strong eight thirty nine for oh, us. Wow, that's uh, Andre Pavlik yeah, territory. It has not been good. <laughs> and part of what I talk about in the article that's is. Actually, that uh, it's not like it's the defense's fault. Where the Panthers are a top ten team in almost every defensive metric, yeah. uh, both at five on five and on the penalty kill, even. But our goaltending is like twenty seventh in the league between Reimer and Hutch. Yeah, and I mean and, that bottom uh, three is like yeah, everybody's Hutch, Hutch everybody's on an island. Like uh, I think it's <laughs> I think it's Philadelphia, and then there's one yeah. other team. They're all hovering around like nine fifty or not nine fifty eight fifty. 950 would be great. Uh, 850, crazy. and, like, we're all in, in that, like, hell of goaltending. And then, like, once you get to, like, past the bottom five, everybody's much closer to 900. So, it, so it, even, course, it's even worse. Up, uh, yeah. If you look up the uh, the save percentage leaders on NHL.com, uh, you will see a familiar Panthers face. Roberto Luongo, number one. Roberto Luongo with his perfect save percentage having saved 13 of 13 before getting injured. Uh, he's just yeah, not good-looking so, enough. I'm just not interested in him. Yeah, it's un- it's unfortunate <laughs> for Hutchinson. I mean, he's been thrown into a bad situation 
Luongo gets injured in the second period of the season. In comes Reimer. You think to yourself, well, he's been 9-17 over the past two years, so it should be fine. And then he's been leaking goals here, there, and everywhere. He's got like a 979 right there, or an 879. And then Jeez. Hutchinson comes in. You know, he puts up an okay performance in Washington. In relief. Well, actually, he gave up five goals in Philadelphia in a single period before this happened. But he came <laughs> came in relief of Reimer and had a decent uh, second half of a game against Washington. Only gave up one goal. And then he starts against Detroit, gives up three goals, including two on consecutive shots. And uh, the Panthers failed to win that game. And, uh, you know, from from there, we didn't really see much of him. Uh, had an, Oh, he played again in, in uh, New York against the Rangers where he gave up five goals or gave up four goals because they scored an empty netter. And uh, pretty much all of them were not from good scoring areas. So, yeah, Michael Hutchinson, really rough start to life in South Florida. But our, our goaltending, it's, this is just how it is. At the beginning of the season, we just have to expect that getting sub-900 goaltending, and by the end of the year, it's somehow a team strength <laughs> like in a major way. It, it, it always coincides with Roberto Luongo coming back from an injury. Yeah, right. And he's in our goaltending getting better. He's a notorious slow starter too, isn't he, Luongo? Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. He's, last yeah, last year, I remember we had we had a, a home and home with the Tampa Bay Lightning to start the year, and over the course of the two games, we outshot them probably something like a hundred to fifty. It was absurd, like the the volume that we were getting so on fun, a man. great team, <laughs> and we went one and one just because Luongo was absolutely horrible in the first game. And Reimer wasn't much better in the second game, but the Panthers managed to score six goals, I think, so they were fine. There's so another connection. Reimer's from uh, Manitoba as well. Oh, oh nice. Yeah, so he'll right. he'll likely oh, be I starting. He was from Ontario, but the, there's a very good chance that he could there. be starting both games because yeah. he's the Panthers have been known to write him like that when he's playing well. And I mean, Hutch, Hutchins, he's not, Hutchins is so. not. Well, he had <laughs> he's had two good games in a row. That's true. Yeah, until the Islanders game, actually, uh, the wild stat. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the Panthers only had one win before that mm-hmm. game, but the the wild stat was no, neither Panthers goalie had won a game that they'd started. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They, uh, because even even the Washington game that the Panthers won in a shootout. Yeah, Jake. We played both and, goalies. And Jake, <laughs> you can tell me if you if you disagree with this, but. I can't think of a sing- single game the Panthers have played this season where their goalie has outplayed the other team's goalie. The only one I would say there's a possibility is the Philadelphia game because Steve Mason was god awful. Elliot, not me. Oh, yeah, Brian right. Elliot. Same, same, same guy. <laughs> Brian so Elliot. Yeah. Another Steve Winnipeg Mason, connection. Brian Elliott, and Jake Allen are all the same player to me, and Michael Neuver. Okay, I got a question for you guys. <laughs> have you ever seen them in the same room together? I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because two of them played for the Blues but, at the same all, time. But all four. And two of them played for the Flyers they're, at the same They're time. two different people, all four of those goalies. <laughs> Just... they're two, all four of them are two people. That's great. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Which one of you is Ekblad Jesus? Uh, actually, neither of, neither of us. No, do you know? Who, <laughs> I wish I could. I, I we actually do not know. Okay, I just thought that's a he keeps his account. real identity very, very. Yeah, simple. he's one of those. <laughs> hey, um, I was gonna actually ask specifically about the Hutch uh, thing. I felt like I remember he got signed by Florida and then he was cut from the team. I didn't. He must have just gone on waivers. Like that's what that meant. Yeah, because yeah. I remember it going around Jets Twitter being like, he's done. He's gone. Like, uh, there's nobody wants him. And then all of a sudden, he's being called up. But I guess he just 
passed through waivers. Nobody picked him up, and that, that's yeah. the end of the story. Yeah. Went he down was intentionally signed as the Panthers' third goalie because, you know, they have they acquired this Luongo contract, you know, the Vancouver sign that's, you know, amazingly long Illegal. and <laughs> ridiculous. You know, the I think it has four more years on it, although the real money yep. is almost done for after Pretty this year. At this point. Making sub $1 million in two years. And right. um, they they committed to Reimer a couple of summers ago, and I mean, so far it has paid off decently. I mean, he had two good seasons in a row, and uh, yeah, so they need to pick up a third goalie because both those guys were injured at points last year, including they had simultaneous injuries. So we had the third goalie playing consecutive games, and um, they went and got Hutch, and they paid him 1.3 million, and it was a one-way contract so that he would be getting that in the AHL. If he was there, which he currently isn't, obviously, and uh, then he passed through waivers. So I'm sure that that was uh, interesting out of context to some people. But, yeah, that was the plan. Those one way was kind of a two pronged approach there of uh, picking. They 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 wanted a a semi a semi successful goalie uh, as an insurance policy because Luongo's getting up there and he hasn't been healthy since 1516 when he played 62 games. Uh, Hutchinson obviously had a phenomenal showing in the AHL last season, putting up like a 935 with Manitoba or something. Yeah, he well, he's an um, AHL All Star. Uh, yeah, year. why don't you tell us about how he was in the AHL last year? Because you know better. Yeah, please. He was amazing. Actually, the best person for that is one of the guys that joins us on the podcast, Daniel, who has season C tickets. I always say he's been to more Moose games than the Moose players because he's uh, over the last you know <laughs> three or four years the Moose have been here. He's gone to 35 home games a year or something. So he's he's seen a lot. He would have been able to. Spend speak very uh, uh very eloquently about uh his his time there but we know that he did really 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 well and was able to go there was a bit of a hoopla around it when uh the jets were trying to call him up and he basically said i'm going to the hl all-star game chris i don't know you could uh, maybe flesh out that story a little bit more but that's kind of how i remember it and i think uh the he fell out of favor i think with the club even more so after that besides being sent down but after that fiasco of him trying to receive the honor of being an HL All-Star. So he was he was really good. They were the the Moose were on pace at one point to set a HL record for points in a season. They dropped off once some of the young guns got uh, got called up, but uh, Hutchin uh, was was really really good. He was the best of the two goalies for sure. So um but yeah, Chris, I don't know if you have anything you want to add to that. I I do have some more questions for you guys, but I think uh Chris would probably be better at uh, breaking down uh, uh, TJ T. George Jacob, I'm forgetting whose voice is whose, and I'm not looking at you guys on video right now. But did a really good job of breaking down the the your guys lineup. What's going to be traveling to uh, Florida? I think Chris could probably give you a pretty good idea of of who we have and uh, what we probably expect for lineups. I mean, our lineups are pretty predictable as far as they go. <laughs> the coach does yeah, think so. Well, I don't know about these days. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think, you know, for most listeners, they know our guys. And so it's tough to say. We know that um, our second or third line, depending on the, the time of the game, is uh, Lowry, Kopp, and Tanev. Seems to be, mm-hmm. um, they're the, the group that really doesn't switch ever. Um, and then you got Shifley and Wheeler who don't break apart. Um, but that could be anybody on their wing. We could go back to Connor. We could stick with Ehlers, who it's been. Um, and then we got a little... The other guy and and Perot thing kind of going on right now, um, so things are really questionable at this moment with uh, how the lines are set up. I think, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Liney finished with Lowry last game. Uh, I think for the last period and a half. Yeah, like I was so, saying earlier, he did get moved around a bit. So, 
But I think he played a, a sub- substantial amount of time, and uh, and it sounded like he played really well. So I'm not I'm not going to pass any judgment as to <laughs> who's going to play with who on Thursday, because uh, it's kind of like I'm assuming we're going to have a little you know two days here. Plus they've had time on a plane and all this kind of stuff to maybe re- rethink some things. So the line the lines up front could could very well. Uh, take a big shift. I think a lot of Jets fans have been hoping so, despite the record, um, that they're, they're not playing super great hockey. And and uh, as we talked about on our last wrap-up show, a win's a win. You take the two points. Um, but mm-hmm. at a certain point, you have to wonder, is what we're doing sustainable? There we go, calling it a we. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not sure without... Honestly, I think what we boiled it down to is without separating Wheeler and Shifley, uh, we're going to be playing with two scoring lines and two checking lines, and one of the two checking lines not playing at all. Uh, that Roslovic, uh, Roslovic line and with Lemieux is, is not playing. Uh, Lemieux has been absolutely terrible. I just saw a stat today. He has one goal and 61 penalty minutes in 31 career games. Oh, my like goodness. That. He averaged is, three, three penalty minutes in the three penalty minutes a game in the HL last year, and two penalty minutes a game for his time with the the Jets last year. So, yeah, it's impressive and, getting two penalty minutes a game when you're probably playing less than ten. <laughs> I think he's playing four minutes a game. It's it's crazy. So this is the goon on the Jets then. Well, uh, he's a goon. He just does dumb things, and and this is why a lot of people um, have been questioning if he's ever going to be a full time NHLer. And a lot of us have had a lot of frustration with the fact that we let Marco Dano go for nothing, considering this is sort of how we've phrased it in, in Jets Twitter for the for the Dano guys, is the, the, the player that people think Brendan Lemieux is, is Marco Dano. Dano is the guy that is gritty, can get in corners, can get in front of the net, can start some shit, and can score some goals. We had that guy. And we gave him a way to keep Lemieux, who is really more just a shit disturber that takes really dumb penalties and can't score really well. So I was shocked by the Dano move also, by the way, like that. I mean, I've been watching, I I grew up in, in the North suburbs of Chicago. So I've been watching Dano for a long time back, even back when he was on the Blackhawks Mm -hmm. uh, and in their system. I, when, when the, when the jets waved him, I was, I was trying to make a big push to call for the Panthers to grab him. Well, and, yeah, they were they were Twitter, too far down the wire to though. To me, yeah, but... they they didn't really have. A <laughs> I I would have loved to see Dano come down here and play in red. Well, what's frustrating is they lost him, at, uh, and then three days later sent Veselinen down, who has no uh, waivers. Mm-hmm. So they they could have kept him and kept him in the press box. The only thing that I get from right. that is there was no trade, uh, you know, no trade available. Um, but then you hang on to him until somebody wants him. Um, but. Back to the line question. I think we're at a. I think we could be seeing something because of the way Line played with uh, Lowry last game. Um, the Ealers, the Ealers thing seems to be working with the top line. Then again, anybody can play with that top line. So we know who we're going to see yeah. in the lineup Thursday. I just, I'm not sure we know right. who, who they're going to be with. Yeah, well, the, the I, Kyle Connor thing seemed to be working with the top guys. How has he been doing with uh, Little and Perot? Is that the second line currently? I, sometimes, yeah. I would say, for me, <laughs> Connor's been the best uh, forward the whole season. Uh, wow. Shifley, Shifley would probably fit in there, but I think he's been overall the best, the best Jets forward, for sure. 
That seems fair. I think uh, with the lineup, no. though, just the, the Liney thing, I know you asked specifically about Connor, but Liney likely playing in Finland. I know they, we already talked about not bringing the jerseys and not the Finnish players, but you would think and hope that he would be, you know, slotted in on that second or first line, even if the rest of the line, like, doesn't work. If he puts Ehlers with Little and Liney together, which is a line that hasn't worked, but that at least bumps him up the lineup. You know he's going to get... Uh, uh, decent minutes at five on five there as well as his power play time you'd think that he'd be in the lineup a bit more who moves down uh not sure connor's been moved around a little bit but like chris said uh, he's he's been he's been really good this year i mean he scored some really nice goals and he just seems to always go and always have um he's always noticeable in good ways some of the other players like blake wheeler's had a really rough start to the season shifley's been really good but there's been a couple times just watching him where it's you're kind of wondering what he's doing but again he's he's mark shifley is a great player i'm not uh, dissing him at all but there's sometimes where it just seems down a little bit uh where it, you wouldn't expect that from him but connor has been really good so he likely will be on that first line i think that second line uh will likely have uh, little and Liney and maybe Perot in there to kind of get him going and, and bump up his minutes a bit because um, he's been not getting the minutes that he should and he's a very good driver of play. So I, I would imagine that would uh, be the, the line and then Ehlers would probably move down to the third line um, with, uh, I don't even know, I, I don't, whoever's left, you know, the other guys, whatever. It doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> Who cares? Like Chris said, the, the, the season, it's the, the results have been good, but sometimes, uh, you, again, you just wonder if they're going to be sustainable. So the frustration isn't that we're winning or just finding every little thing to nitpick about, but it's pretty clear, unless you're a moron, that the lines have not been optimized. From this forward group that the Jets have, super strong there's so much talent there it feels like they could really eke out a, a lot more and just be decimating teams i mean on our defensive end that's a whole different story we have three nhlers and three ahlers as a defenseman especially on that left side is is really really weak and uh, been hurting yeah. us a lot but it that, feels uh, the like the free agent signing you made on that left side didn't really work <laughs> out we'll talk yeah. about that in a second i'm sure yeah yeah but yeah, to your point you already to your question you asked about connor connor's been he's been really good um but to him and Jack Rosovic were drafted, I think about five spots apart. Rosovic is an amazing vision. He can score whatever. He's a great skater. But he's been given four or five minutes a game for most of this season. Uh, Kyle Connor, since his time killing it in the AHL, came up and has pretty much played on that first line with Shifley and Wheeler all last season. Uh, it took a Matt, Matt Matty Perot injury uh, four games in for him to be called up but since that he's played with at that time our two best drivers I mean again Wheeler's been down a bit this year but he's been giving every opportunity so there's a little bit I know there's people that are chatting about this a little bit in Jets Twitter wondering who Kyle Connor is if he's not with the two best drivers and again Wheeler's not been doing that this year but Connor still has been and uh, but he's still been with Shifley for most of it so um, very 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 good player it would be interesting to see if he could bring something to another line whereas before when he wasn't as strong defensively or, or and, and whatnot he'd probably take away from a line and not uh, you know re retrieve pucks as well as maybe he has uh, lately so um he, he's, he's really good really like him he'll be in the the first or second line for sure going forward i want but, i want people to think about whenever they think about kyle connor that boston could have had barzal connor and kylington it's unbelievable yeah, i really want people to just think about this forever because it is so funny and they're the best team in the East again. Great. Yeah, <laughs> without those guys, like that's just unbelievable. So much better. Oh, it's crazy. Um, it's like they could be but playing with again, still. 
<laughs> then again, you could you could have forward talent like that, and I'm going to be honest: the Jets have forward talent like that, and yes, you and you've got a coach that before last game, Hockey Night in Canada said we have two scoring lines, and I'm like, I just about fell over. I'm like, two scoring lines. You move two guys around, and you've got four scoring lines, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're just I. I just don't get it. You're oozing talent. You had to get rid of Marco Dano for nothing because you have too many forwards. You, you're not playing Nick Patan, who is a second-line player by every metric. Um, you've got Fesselainen down, and and you say on national TV that you've got two scoring lines and two checking lines? That yeah. that drives me nuts. To, to, to the Nick Patan thing, just uh, I've, I've shared this before, though we're as fans, we're not really privy to the information as far as where his head is at. His father passed away this uh, spring, I think it was in September, and uh, or uh, fall, whatever. And uh, w- nobody knows really where the kid's head is at, if he's ready to play. Maybe he's requested to stay out and just travel with the team. So I'm, Chris and I are both huge Patan fans. But uh, I'm just, I, I don't think of him as a potential lineup candidate right now, only because we don't know if he even wants to be or if he's ready to be. It feels like, you know, playing some hockey would be good for him but uh who knows if if mentally he, he's he's at it that just point. hasn't been it hasn't been there in the past that's all i'm saying it doesn't to me you're right but even if he was there's been no sign that he would be playing anyway so right mm-hmm. correct we've spent a lot of time on the jets forward so let's pivot now to the defense uh let's talk about the first the left side because this is really the weak point of the of the Jets lineup. They do have Josh Morrissey. He's on the top pairing with Jacob Truba. I mean, you're never going to worry about what that top pairing does. But then, you know, Benoit Shero, Joe Morrow, and then potentially Dmitry Kulikov on the bottom two pairings. That's more problematic, even though they probably will be with Tyler Myers and Dustin Bufflin, who will be nice, you know, compliments on the right side. Uh, overall, does this defense, you know, is it evened out by the strength on the right side? Uh, because of its weakness on the on the left, in the well, in the top four in the top four for sure. Uh, okay, because uh, because uh, Bufflin can carry anybody. Um, Sherratt is is a serviceable defenseman when he plays with with Bufflin. Um, Morrissey uh, had a little bit of discussion. Morrissey would be the MVP of the team right now. He's been for sure the best player throughout. Him between him and Connor, I think. Um, but the problem comes in our in the third pair. Um, any whoever Tyler Myers is playing with is a problem, and Tyler Myers himself is is a problem. Yeah. And the co- the coach doesn't see it. He's a tire fire in his own end, almost every shift, and he's starting now to not make up for it in the offensive zone. You used to kind of live with it because, you know, he'd help you out on the offensive end, um, but it. Any shift that him and and Morrow, him and Sharat, him and Kulikov are out there together, it's it's terrible. And Maurice has gone to a thing lately where when they're down in a game or up in a game, he'll play, he'll switch Myers over and play Myers and Bufflin as a second pair and just roll two pairs. And put Bufflin on the offside. Problem right? too. I think yeah, he's putting it, Myers on the offside. I no, think uh, last he's game still he, stuck on that. I think no, that was last, just the last game. Cool. Okay. Well, that so. was a that was a huge thing before the season that he was going to put Myers on the offside, and it was everyone said that's a terrible idea, and then it sort of got real quiet uh, when he realizes a bad idea. Yet still, like Chris said, when we're up or down, all of a sudden that's a, that's a good idea again. Uh, not really sure why. Um, to the point about moral, or just to make a comment about him, we have a friend Katie who. Um, 
she said Morrow's really, really good for offense at both ends. So that's uh, I thought that was a great description <laughs> of, uh, of Morrow and what he brings because he has scored some nice goals, whatever. He's done some stuff. Even Sherratt, too, he's uh, uh, on the offensive end and Myers. But uh, in our those those lower end defensemen on our team right now do not do enough things defensively to uh, to help us although to be fair last game against Toronto uh, it was Buff and Truba and Morrissey that all gave up the puck that led to uh, three three goals I mean there's other things to the play but they were the last Jets players touching the puck uh, involved in it and kind of giving it up a few of them in our end uh, and the Morrissey thing I, I did want to actually talk about that because Chris and I just doing the podcast uh, the, although we have other guys with us Chris and I specifically have interviewed a few people uh, in media one kind of popular radio host one guy uh, Murat uh, who's Ace Burpee popular radio host also Murat who writes for The Athletic and then also um I was talking to uh, Jamie Thomas who uh, works for the Jets uh, with the the media the Jets nice. TV and all Jets three TV. of them yeah. with yeah Jets TV all three of them uh, without like provoking have all brought up Josh Morrissey as uh, uh, who he is as a person. Uh, one of them said they could see him wearing a letter later on in his career, um, how uh, cerebral he is, how well-spoken he is, what a great gift he is to the Jets, uh, how he wants to be here. And uh, so not only is he an amazing player, but he's one of those ones where yeah, all the off-ice stuff, even uh, I can't remember who it was, Chris, you might remember, but talking about how he even worked with kids and how natural that was uh, for him when they were doing some meet and greets with some younger uh, children. He, just amazing all the way around. And for us as Jets fans, when you see that, you, you know, you, you can like what the player does on the ice, but it's really, really nice to hear that they're great people as well. And so it sounds like people that have been around the team really closely and, and have connections uh, have had nothing but the most glowing things to say about Josh Morrissey. Then he goes out and and he's, like Chris said, MVP of the team, uh, of the defense at least. And uh, oh, wonderful. He's, he's been yeah. really, really good. So uh, very, very happy to have him as part of the team. And uh, I, I mean, I don't know where we'd be without him right now, especially on that left side. That would be a real disaster. So, Yeah, so let's pivot to somebody that you're probably not going to be as glad to have on the team, especially considering his cap hit. Former Florida Panther Dmitry Kulikov. <laughs> Signed a nice little 4.33 AAV deal for three years uh, last offseason. First year with the Jets. That I had a chance to personally congratulate him on yeah. over the summer. He was uh, warming up <laughs> yeah. down at the Yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a mystery <laughs> of, of space and time that after the absolutely atrocious year that he had in Buffalo that he was able to get that kind of contract. But the Jets really had a hole on their left side, and they filled it with this guy. And, I mean, He's only played four games this year. His Corsi is currently 36%, which is impressively bad. Is it really just a case of injuries with him, or is this a guy that is just no longer good at hockey? When was he good at hockey? Well, he was usually good enough to, over the course of his career, at least get close to 50% Corsi, so I'll let them explain why it's fallen off a cliff. (laughs) I I can't say why it's fallen off. I would say... um, I don't know many people that were happy with the signing, as in the specific player. I know for sure there was a lot of people that were happy because Kevin Shoveldayoff went out of his comfort zone on July 1st, two years ago, and signed a goalie that we quote-unquote needed and uh, and a defenseman in a position that we needed. Um, a lot of people <laughs> questioned uh, the amount they paid for those guys. I was one of them. <laughs> but we, we all said at least he did... You know what I mean? He filled the holes that he had to fill. Now, there's, of course, a lot of other options. People were like, well, they could have filled him with, instead of Kulikov, you could have got David Schlemko, 
who's a quarter the price and maybe twice the player. Um, so you have those questions, but you at least say, you know, oh, here we go. You're doing something for once. Um, but as to why Kulikov has fallen off, and like you say, maybe he hasn't. Uh, I'm not sure. He did get re-injured at the end of the year last year. Yeah. Um, so you wonder how much of that is, is you know, uh, for lack of a better word, hangover. I think personally, I still think he's better than Morrow and Sherratt, and he's not getting the opportunity. So I'm not sure uh, and uh, what's going he, on. I think this summer he actually had his second or third back surgery. Um, I think he had one after his time in Buffalo when he signed for the Jets, and then he's had another one. And I don't know if there's a third one in there too. But uh, I think the injury thing is definitely a big thing. Now, also opportunity is a, is an interesting thing, like Chris uh, said. I think he's probably, I'd agree, he's better than those guys. Uh, he didn't have a great uh, preseason. But uh, an interesting thing to note here was a Buffalo missed two games. So Kulikov, uh, you could argue, uh, just by how the lineup went, was our fourth, you know, left side defenseman on the depth chart but then when Bufflin goes down Kulikov becomes second on the Jets right side D like on the depth chart because he filled in for Buff on his off wing playing with Sherrod I believe it was I don't know if I remember that correctly it might have been uh, moral so that was a very interesting take on things because you would think that Myers would just move up the lineup and if if he's going to play on his off wing and hasn't even made the lineup on the left side he'd be on the third pair but that was another one of those uh Mauriceisms where you just go I, that doesn't make any sense how is he how it's is the, he it's yeah. the same thing he's been doing with Perot right now he's playing him four minutes a game on the fourth line and then he needs somebody on the second line and Perot's the guy you bring up there to get your line going yeah. well is he second line material or is he four minute a game material this is classic classic Paul Maurice behavior where you just left just scratching your head so yeah. Anyway, we and don't I need think, to dump on the coach for a whole podcast, but that, those no, are the coaching. Mark. Always good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah uh, so goaltender-wise, goal Connor Hellebuck, I, th- I feel like we all pretty much know who he is. He's American, so that helps with our mostly American listenership uh, to get to know him. And, of course, he was nominated for the Vesna Trophy last year. And then the backup with Steve Mason being bought out is Laurent Borsois, who is not exactly inspired a lot of confidence this year. Uh, so well, he's been playing great this year, bro. Swap. He said three yeah. great, great starts. It was a question mark going in. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know if I would say he's uh, silenced the critics. There was some calls after last game that he should be our new starting goaltender already. Okay, um, so, so the wow, it's a fr- yeah, it's yeah, a overreaction season. my question was going to be: Is Hellebuck going to start both these games? So why don't you start with that? I would say yes. That that would be my quick and hot take. But uh, just a point about Brassois, um, Hellebuck coming off before last season, his Vesna-dominated season, he went and changed his uh, goaltending uh, coach or added one. I don't know if he changed it. Not goaltending coach with the team, but uh, who he worked with in the offseason. He went to yeah, go like work a with a consultant. Yeah. yeah, I can't remember who, what his name is, but his out in BC is the same coach that worked with uh, uh, Dubnik. And uh, all of a sudden he had his great season. So then when Brassois... Um, join the team. I don't know if it was the team said you need to go work with this guy or, or how it happened, but Hellebuck and Brossois trained together in the summer with uh, the goalie whisperer out in uh, BC. So um, what Brossois was before and what a lot of fans had concerns about, uh, I think some of that was calm knowing that he was training with Hellebuck and with this guy and then with his uh, starts, uh, it seems like he might be a serviceable backup that uh, really got a bad, uh, bad you know, rap from from previous seasons where uh, he was never set up for success. So he might turn out to be be pretty good. Um, 
that's all I'm going to say about him. Chris, I know Chris definitely wants to talk about Hellebuck, though, so that's his voice. Yeah, I, I mean, you can be however you want about Hellebuck right now. His season hasn't been top-notch, but other than um, two years ago, every season he's had in the last six years, he's an elite goaltender. He's not going anywhere. Six-year contract, he's going to be in the top 10 to 5 goaltenders by the end of the year. He's he's as good as... I. There's not many goalies that I would take over him at all and that's not just because he's a jet i'm as much as i'm a homer i'm the least homer that you'll find when it comes to that stuff yeah i mean <laughs> our western conference preview i had plenty of nice things to say about connor hellebuck i said that uh, he's awesome maybe he's better than uh pecorine and perhaps he's better than martin jones so i he's i i mean the thing for me i always say this about rene uh rene is this when he's on pecorine is the scariest player in the nhl I could never imagine trying to score a goal on that guy, his size and his ability. But when he, yeah. but when he craps the bed, he, he, he dies. He's a problem. No yeah, and you guys saw that in. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. It, he it he was turned into that. a bad Pekka. The Pekarene yeah. magic disappeared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was sad. Limp Pekka. The most fun series of the entire playoffs last year, as short as it uh, as short as it was. Yeah, yeah it was I was great. gonna. I was going to ask you guys specifically uh, about Barkov. Now, I know this is not as much of a hockey question. Well, it's definitely not. But his last name, am I crazy? This sounds like a Russian name. Was he born in Russia? It is Russian. His or family, the, the, yeah. His family his is ethnically Russian. Russian. Russian, yeah. Yeah, so uh, the story the story of Alexander Barkov is his father was a professional hockey player, played in the KHL for a long time. And then he played in the league. Uh, but eventually yeah. transferred over to the Finnish league. Uh, uh, and uh, when... Alexander when Alexander Jr. was born um his dad spent I think it was the next like 10 to 12 years after or no I'm thinking about my birth you're not Barkov's uh spent about the next eight or nine years uh playing uh for Tapara Tampere in Finland and by the time he retired his family was settled set up his son was growing up playing in Finnish junior hockey uh and it just made sense to stay there and let him be let him be finish. Uh, so there was actually a great article that was just published recently uh, called something to the effect of like lunch with Panthers captain Alex. Yeah, I think Marshall, this was a sports net uh, that actually it actually touched on that a little bit about uh, how he uh, how he how he uh, feels about his heritage being Finnish born to Russian parents. Right. Um, and he talks about being kind of in between both cultures but uh, how he likes, how he thinks he took the bo- the best of of each of them, especially as far as uh, his his hockey playing goes. He thinks his style is kind of the mix of the best elements of both the Russian and Finnish styles of the game. Is uh, he so? Yes, he is Russian technically, but he is Finnish. Is he uh, the most underrated player in the NHL, or the most unknown great player in the NHL? Well, it depends on who you ask. I, I feel like was, I feel like right. hockey aficionados <laughs> are well versed on how good Barkov is now. Sure, but absolutely to the casual fan who probably doesn't right. get to watch Florida, they never show up on Hockey Night in Canada, and uh, rarely on NBCSN. I think that uh, the Finland Thursday game is going to be the one that is on NBCSN, mm-hmm. our one game of the year. 
So, yeah, he doesn't get much exposure to the casual fan. Like if I'm talking to, you know, a, a, a friend of mine who is maybe just uh, watching the Islanders or watching the Devils or watching the Rangers because I know fans of all three, they probably aren't going to tell me how great Barkov is. But if they're more of a hockey fan, they'll prob- they're will probably more likely to know. So it really depends. Right. But I'm, I'm sort of sick of hearing that <laughs> disclaimer or, or uh, a description of him. It, it's sort of like attached to him at the hip, like – most underrated player in the league, Sasha Barkov, instead of just Sasha Barkov. But he that's... continues winning those polls of NHL <sighs> players of who's the most underappreciated but... player to you NHL players. I, I hope it's I hope it's Henrik Borgstrom but... soon. I really do. But that's not a that's not a bad thing even in Winnipeg. I mean, right. for, for three years it was it was Brian Little, Brian Little, and then even two years ago I would say it was Blake Wheeler. And yeah. Charlie, too. It was Blake Wheeler right. for so long, and yeah. it's like. And you then know. all of a sudden he has a 95 points. Yeah, and they're like, oh, people are like, oh. <laughs> At 32 yeah, years. Yeah. An American American guy playing in Winnipeg, not surprising that people would uh, sleep on him a bit. But, I mean, he's been a great player his entire career, and people just haven't recognized it until yeah. a couple yeah. of years ago, really. Well, of course he's a great player. Peter Shirelli traded him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. You could, make, you could make an all-star team with the guys he's traded. Yeah. And an AHL team with the guys he's got for them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it isn't uh, he was the one making this the decisions about kind of throwback to the comments about Boston who they could have drafted right that was uh, him at that the helmet that, I believe that so. was not him it wasn't it was not him. I, he's at least what? the one that acquired those picks though okay. I think because that was part of the he, Sagan and Hamilton he acquired, yeah he acquired but I think he was, picks, out, but he, was he was out by the draft he was out oh, okay. by the draft yes I missed I but yes he acquired those picks by trading Tyler Sagan and but Doug that particular Hamilton. draft he did make the mistake <laughs> of trading the Edmonton first overall pick or first round pick not first overall pick for one Griffin Reinhardt, and that pick obviously yep. went on he to become Matt Barzal. So yeah, Peter Chiarelli, <laughs> you're you're a god in some Brilliant. in some cities, but Edmonton and Boston are not those. Okay. And now they're what six and two, Edmonton something yeah, like that. I season. think they're leading the Pacific, which is hilarious. Twenty seven minutes a night, great things happen. But getting yeah, getting yeah. back I to mean, these I mean I there teams, was some there was some quote getting there back was some to these quote by teams. some Western Conference player who said that uh if you take Connor McDavid away from the Oilers, they're the worst team like, in the league. No duh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Well then I got a question is Barkov say go ahead is is Barkov he's the uh the shootout specialist, right? Of course, he's yes. the one that's yes. like uh, twenty-one for twenty-one on shootouts or something crazy like that. He's yeah, a, not that not that high, but for his he is career, above. Which I don't think any any player has ever done before. Yeah, I. Oh, she maybe you can. Uh, look it up. Yeah, no, Barkov. Barkov is one of the greatest shootout players in NHL history, yeah, so, uh, and that's statistically goes, not just like I'm a Panthers fan and I watch him yeah. in shootouts and he's awesome. He like, so if the game goes past league average is like thirty percent, and his career shootout Barkov. percentage is above fifty. Um, Chris, uh, I don't have anything right now, but I want you to work on a a good uh, Hoffman fiance joke. I think there's something there we got to hit these guys with. But I was gonna, I was curious about the uh, the Jets game. You mentioned the Jets are coming, obviously, to uh, Sunrise this year. Is that one of the the most well attended uh, games in Florida? And I'm not making fun of Florida and attendance and stuff, but I just mean because Jets fans have been known to travel pretty well, and uh, Florida, a lot of. Uh, you know, people travel down there. So I imagine there would be a pretty, like from a Jets fan who hasn't traveled to Florida, is that a pretty big deal game there? Not just to you, but like uh, where 
I don't know, maybe there's more fans or people get up for it knowing that the building is going to be full of a bunch of uh, non-locals. Well, actually, I would say that that's um, not really the case for those games. When when the Jets were in the Southeast Division, you know, we got to see a lot of them at uh, yeah. the BB&T Center, <laughs> oh, yeah. then Bank Atlantic Center, that. and those were those were not alignment. particularly well attended games. Now that they're uh, a rarer ticket, maybe that's the case, especially now that they have such a you know a sexy team to watch. Um, maybe people will get up for them more, but I, I feel like no, that isn't a, a big game at the BB&T Center now. It's really just about like. What team is going to bring in the most away fans? Because South Florida is full of transplants from all over the country and parts of Canada. So like a, a Montreal game, a Leafs game, a New York Ranger game, a Boston Bruin game, Philadelphia Flyer game. Those games, the, the tickets will be harder to come by because the people that have moved from all those places to South Florida will buy tickets to see their former team. And... Um, when a when a guy like Connor McDavid comes around, or maybe Blake Wheeler or Patrick Laine, it's it's actually not that hard to get a ticket. It, it, it's not like the NBA where the stars are the ones that sell the tickets. It's more the the teams. Right. Yeah. Right. It just looks like there's more Jets fans there because there's that's just the, it's the normal yeah, crowd I mean, it's, and there's it's Jets the, fans there. It's definitely the sexiest road trip you'd have to imagine because you you not only get to go to an NHL game for really cheap, but you also get to be in South Florida, and that's just an awesome thing to do, especially if you're from Winnipeg when it's where it's cold as hell all the time, I would imagine. Yeah. All, all <laughs> winter. I went to, uh, in the first year, I went to a Tampa, Jets-Tampa game. It was... Uh, that that building's awesome, and the fans there are great. And I got on Hockey Night yeah. in Canada, so it was all it was all win. Great experience so, all good. the way around. Yeah. Win win win. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're pretty much we're pretty close to wrapping everything up here. So, um, let's so get your Hoffman jokes out. Yeah, quickly. get those no, Hoffman jokes out anything. quickly. I don't have anything. Uh, how, uh, how, does, how do you feel going into these games, real quick, and, and maybe give us a prediction? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Just back up a sec. I just. Looking at a tweet from the Winnipeg Jets, we're sending a big happy birthday to Dmitry Kulikov today. Happy birthday, Dmitry Kulikov, just so you guys and know. And I would like to uh, wish a happy birthday to the asset that got us Mark Pezik. Happy birthday, <laughs> asset. There, there you go. And, yeah. and by extension, Adam Maskerin, even though and he's, he's no longer he's, the, he's in the Stars organization. <laughs> I just uh, I, I had to share that just because it, it came up. Okay, going into the games, I feel like the Jets are poised. You know, even though we've we've complained a little bit about them, they're they still are a good team. And Florida, um, you know, is playing underachieving. Yeah. And I, I, going into this, I think it's a great thing for Liney uh, just to kind of reset there. They're going to have some uh, time off before the games, like a couple days, uh, which we're in the middle of right now. And then after, they're going to have what is it a week off? So I think that might just be the reset that the Jets need to kind of maybe reevaluate and and sit back and look at some film for the coaches and really see what's working mm-hmm. and not working. So I'm actually pretty excited about this whole thing to to kind of. Uh, just set set the team up a bit more. I know you, you go through preseason, and then you're kind of curious who's who's getting cut, who's going down. Now we got a roster. I mean, Dano is out of the picture now, uh, unfortunately for some of us. But I think we we have a roster. What can we do to maximize it? These games, Jets should uh, win. I, I would I would be surprised if they lost a game or at least lost in uh, in regular time. Uh, against Florida, so I, I think it'd be good uh, all around. I'm pretty excited to watch it. I'm not gonna be watching live, obviously. I'm gonna be at work, and they're playing one o'clock uh, Central Time, so yeah, a lot of too. people are. When so. did you get? When did you get a job? 
<laughs> you shut your. <laughs> Chris is only saying that because I stopped by his place today to drop off a Rockstar Energy drink for him. Yeah, in the I, I'm I'm caught in two minds with the Panthers right now. All their metrics are good. I mean, yeah, they are a top five Fenwick team at five on five. Yeah, top are. five Fenwick team at five on five. I mean, all their all their metrics on the penalty kill are pretty solid too. I mean, it's really just the power play yeah. where they're analytically the power play metrics are terrible and their goal yeah. is terrible. So like everything points to that they're actually a pretty decent team and they're just having some percentages problems, some you know bad bounces. But then you you watch them play, and you just see mistakes. And it may just be that like they're not getting the key goaltending when they are making mistakes. I see the Jets as a team that's you know not playing off the charts great, but they're good. And uh, I, I guess that if I had to predict it, I would I would guess that the Panthers get two points, probably get a reg- or a, a overtime shootout win, and then the other game is a Jets regulation win. So, three points for the Jets and two points for the Panthers. That would be my prediction. That's pretty optimistic. <laughs> I would not be surprised if the Jets won both games in regulation. To be totally honest, I wouldn't be happy about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, so the Jets have a, the Jets have a ahead. way of. The Jets have a way of making these things a lot more interesting than they need to be. So if uh, Florida can hang around, hang around, you never know, because uh, yep. that seems to be their mo right now. So I'm not, I'm not sold. Again, they're strong. The Jets are strong, but they're not playing at the top of their at the top of their game right now. Yeah, and, and not 60 well, minutes. If it been... makes you feel any better, the Panthers have a way of uh, not hanging around. The later <laughs> the game goes, the worse the team becomes. And I actually did an analysis of them period by period, also. And they're great in the first, bad in the second, and bad in the third. So that's what's that's, gonna that's happen. Just... You'll see Florida take the early lead and then the Jets will do what they do and they'll come back late. Other than the two blown yep. leads we've had this year against Edmonton and Toronto, that's oh, that... two whole blown leads. Huh? Well, both of them were pretty <laughs> we've bad. We had like seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, both of them were bad though. Like real big collapses. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It, yeah. I mean it, the hockey should be good. You're saying Florida's playing good hockey, and the Jets maybe aren't playing their best hockey, so maybe it's a pretty good matchup and could see a couple of really good games. Yeah, I expect yeah, them okay. to be, to at least look even, but maybe the Jets are the ones putting the puck in the net. We'll see. Yeah. All right. We'll give you guys a chance to plug your stuff, and we'll plug our stuff, and then we'll get going. Go ahead, AJ. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, the, you're listening to the Jet-Centric Podcast. Uh, no. Um, yeah, you guys can find us on the Twitter machine. I believe we're on the Facebook. I don't do anything with that, but uh, one of our guys does. Uh, we're a collection of people that try and uh, make this thing happen. We also have a sister blog site at Jets, uh, jetcenter.ca, and center is spelled C-E-N-T-R-E. .ca for you Americans. So jetcenter.ca, you can see where some of our guys are doing some writing. Uh, we try and have interesting guests. We do a lot of recaps, and uh, we're doing fun stuff like this. I think this is creative and, and neat, and we got some other ideas. So uh, if anyone wants to check us out, uh, feel free to do that. Uh, we have a lot of fun. How about and you guys? I think you guys follow back uh, at Jetcentric, so that's mm-hmm. definitely something our followers should do. Follow you guys to get a follow back. Easy. Uh, Jake, oh, you go first. They're interesting. I was you do all the plugs. All right, so you can find you know all the stuff way better than I do. Okay, so man, Chris, what is it with these initialed people and their media? I don't believe it. I can't believe it. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, point to point hockey. We are Florida Panthers podcast. We also have some writing on our website, ptphockey.com. That is the hub for everything. You can find us on Twitter. We also follow back at ptphockey. Um, we are also on Facebook, we're on Instagram, but really the big thing is go on the website, 
uh, whichever podcasting platform you prefer, we're on all of them. You can check out our, our links tab, and uh, we'll, it'll all be there. We also have YouTube videos. Uh, we, we do like a Arsenal Fan TV video. style post-game videos. We have, uh, we have video at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's more than we have. We just started. We just started a new uh, post-game interview show. Uh, where I run around the BB&T Center getting people's feelings about the end of home games. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, awesome. And we've only had two home games since I've started, uh, and one of them, the video, did not come out well. Uh, so there is a single video up there right now, but you can go and uh, check that out on YouTube at PTP Hockey, at Point to Point Hockey. Yeah, so the big thing is, on Twitter, at PTP Hockey, I'm at Parallel Circle, he's at PTP Jacob, our website's PTPHockey.com. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, this, this is, is this fun. fun. Thank you. Best of luck in Finland. I'm not sure whether to say thank you for having us or thank you for joining us. So just thank <laughs> yeah, you. good luck right in Finland, but not too much luck, you know, because we need the points. <laughs> we we want them more. We don't want to be scrambling for uh, you know the first place overall right at the end of the season. We want to have it locked up with about 20 games left. So <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, Big thanks moves. guys. Take care. See you boys in the Stanley Cup final. All we'll right. have to get you back on when we when we both get there. For all sure, right, absolutely. <laughs> All right, bye guys. Bye-bye.